0: For nine years in a row, ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. Information that you can't get anywhere else. And 30 years of Rosie on the House. Oh, yeah. Right here this morning, operating without Romy, who's actually up in Payson today with the kids. At the Queen Creek Junior Rodeo Association. Yeah, baby. Riding Nibbles and Fat Albert and Baby Bop and having a heck of a good time with the kids. Final rodeo of the season. Going to run up there tomorrow and watch the final performance tomorrow. I'm excited about that. But right now, we're here for the next hour to take your calls and questions about your house home cabin or cabin. House home cabin. What is it? Or castle Castle, cabin castle or cabin. House home. Hey, house- I invented the term. You can say it however
1: you want to, right? It happens. Yeah. Yeah. You well. could
0: you could join us by dialing one triple eight seven six seven forty three forty. I want to talk about garages for a little while, but before I do I want to talk kitchens.
1: I have a correction of my own. Uh, oh, I like
0: those better than correcting me.
1: All right. So Omni Pool Builders is in Tucson. Tucson. Their open house is Saturday, the 19th. I had my dates wrong. So we're going to post it in the newsletter on the 17th. 17th is Thursday, and the newsletter will come out, but it's actually on the 19th on Saturday.
0: Okay. There, we got that straight now. Sorry about that. Okay. So we try and become your best friend by multiple of different tracks. One, this. Saturday morning program every single Saturday morning a, a, a tradition that's lasted 30 years here in the great state of Arizona we have our website dot we have our we write for five newspapers throughout Arizona they're in weekly uh, editions and we also have our email newsletter that goes out every Thursday and we've got our blogs that post, every week. And our blog this week is why your old garage door may have to go. So I want to talk about garage doors, but before I do, we were on the topic of kitchens. I'd like to go back to that for just a minute. And Chris, who had a call the last hour about some duct work in a kitchen remodel. He's in, can we bring Chris back on there? And I'm going to ask him, I didn't, I should have got his permission to do this, but I'm going to ask him some personal questions. Chris, have we got you back, buddy? Okay. When, when I'm visiting, the, the part of my job that I hate the most is telling people how much they're going to spend on their projects. Because it always is a very, it's, it's the most deflating moment in our entire relationship. But when I'm talking to people about kitchens, there are three ways I get to a kitchen budget. And I'm going to describe them to you. And then I just want you to tell me if I used those three ways at your remodel would they have met your budget? When you're talking about a kitchen remodel, the sales price, I'm looking at the last 12 that we've done at my company. The lowest price per square foot that we have is actually a kitchen we're doing right now. We're doing a, a kitchen remodel. It's 170 square feet. It's $230 a square foot. That's really low. That's a great price. I have one kitchen here we did $583 a square foot, but generally speaking what we tell people is if you take the footprint of your kitchen, you need to figure between $350 and $400 a square foot. That's all new cabinets, all new countertops, all new appliances, all-new floor covering, and it almost always involves a new lighting plan. And like Chris discovered when he wanted to remove the soffit, we had they're having to move some ductwork. That's one way you can get to the price. The other way you get to the price is take a look at how much you're going to spend just on the cabinets. And then you need to multiply that times anywhere's between three and a half to five. So if you're going to spend $10,000 on your cabinets, your kitchen remodel is going to be anywhere between $35,000 and $50,000. So that's the second leg of our estimate. The third leg of the estimate is go to Zillow.com and see what Zillow says your house is worth. And then you're going to spend between 10 and 15% of your total house value. So you do the square foot calculation. You do the cabinet comparison analysis, and then you take about 10 to 15% of your current home value. You triangulate those, and you come up with about what your kitchen remodel should cost. So you're talking a typical 200-square-foot kitchen in a home that's worth $400,000 that they're going to spend about, $20,000 $20,000 on cabinets, you're going to spend, you're going to You're gonna be at about 80 to 100. That's going to put you at 10, 15, 20% of the home value. That's about what you're going to spend. We've done kitchens, complete ripouts and replace for as low as 30. But baby, once you start looking at what's available in cabinets... Oh, I like that soft-close feature. Oh, I like the glass uppers. I like the lighting here. I like the lighting there. It it, takes a lot of self-discipline to stay there. And then you start shopping appliances, and, I mean, it's easy to dump 10 or 15 into appliances. So, Chris, in those triangulated methods of estimating, would that have put you right in the ballpark of what you're spending on your kitchen remodel? And you don't have to share the number.
2: You're pretty close. I think I think the thing that's the hardest is some of the materials that we wanted, that we were real specific with a particular material material or a color, and that influenced the budget upward almost always.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, never, so, yeah. it never influences downward. <laughs> no. All right.
2: We, we ran out of options, and the only option left seemed like it was always the most expensive option as far as a particular material, yeah. whether it was a countertop, or a backsplash, or some other feature, but it always seemed like this is the only thing that would work, and it was either a custom item or it was just whatever was the high end. But I agree with your uh, your basic uh, different formulations to come up with a number that's
0: about right. Okay, well, that's what I wanted to know. I appreciate you bearing with me and letting me run you through the data grill there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, man. Good luck. Let me know okay. how. It, let me Thanks. know how it turns out. All right, let's go to Kevin real quick. He's been waiting patiently for a long time before we get to our topic at hand. Uh, Kevin, good morning. Welcome to Rosie on the House.
3: Hey Rosie on the House. Hey Rosie, and uh, I appreciate you on uh, operating as a family unit. And you guys are very entertaining. Longtime listener on Saturday morning, it just makes my morning. So
0: where, where? Um, I hope
3: you have a little <laughs> hope you have a little patience in my articulating my issue. Yeah, where are um, you calling from, Kev? Um, I'm calling from up in Yarnell. Oh, uh, I okay. live right on the front, right on the front side of where the fire was, right off of 89 here. But I have a house down in Congress. Okay. And uh, what I've been doing is I've been structurally uh, leveling some uh, park models up here that I'm trying to remodel. And I bought a tax lien house down in Congress. Okay. And from what I understand, the house was moved from the Baghdad mine. Okay. To this spot, and it was put on pylons with four by four. Uh, posts under it i wonder if you ever had anything uh related with uh
0: you know a house that's been moved to us to a site uh yeah we've we've moved a couple we actually actually moved a whole church up in the white mountains <laughs> that was quite an adventure uh yeah and that's uh, that that's kind of fun um that
3: aspect of it because i've seen it done on some uh, mega shows or yeah, something like that yeah um but what i did is i bought this as a tax lien and it's a 900 square foot house sitting on a half an acre. And uh, it sits fine, but the front corner, about the front 10 foot on the uh, northwest corner of the house, has settled somewhat, and you can tell from standing back and looking at it. And I'm a kind of a, uh, you know, I do things myself. I'm kind of carpentry background. Uh, My question is, is, uh, it has to do with getting under there. I got two uh, uh, low-profile 20-ton jacks, and I want to jack the foundation up to square up the foundation and, uh, you know, before I start on the inside of the house, the okay. house has been sitting empty for a okay. year. Okay, all right. And, uh, what, and my question is, is when I get under there, I'm going to tear the living room floor up because it's right by the front door and the access is by the back door on the rear of the house, you know, the uh, access. Uh, anyways, um, what I do is I tear the plywood up in the, in the living room and I put them jacks under there with some 4x4 four four posts. When I jack that corner up, I'm wondering if I have to worry about the rest of the structure sitting on pylons or moving. No. Um, no, You know, kind of undertaking this myself, I'm kind of worried about the,
0: uh, you know, obviously the danger aspect of shifting something or having something happen. Uh, Generally not. Uh, I I like the fact that you're going to do it from the inside. I don't want you under the house, so you'll be standing in between the floor joists. And you'll be putting that's those
3: correct. I decided that because it's
0: just <laughs> common sense. <laughs> yes, yeah. And once you get the jacks on the main girder, uh, perimeter girder, and you're jacking up, you'll you'll be able to sense when to quit jacking. And it you may want to quit jacking before you get back to perfectly level at the point you're putting more stress on the building that's worth. If you're getting close, just stop and, and shim it to that location. And then let her back down, and and you'll be fine. But you you you've got the right idea. You're you're pursuing it. And
3: what? Well, uh, also Rosie, what I'm using is uh, they have these portable little laser levels, and uh, I've used them you to uh, you know do the structure on these mobile homes on these park models up here. But they're only 12 foot wide by 50 foot long. This this is a different beast. I feel. Yeah. Uh, getting involved with this so. Um, I do have a laser level, and I do would like to set it to the rest of the house, you know, so I can get some kind of flat platform
0: before yeah. I remodel the inside of the house. Well, it sounds great. Well, Congress is one of our little favorite little areas. Jennifer loves taking the horses up in that particular area. Jill's a little bit west of Congress out there in the flats. And well, you get her out there on peanut, boy, she's hard to keep up with. She just takes off <laughs> in a cloud of dust. Kevin, good luck on the house, man. Thanks for the call, hey,
3: Rosie. Rosie, can I uh, one more? Um, okay. Is
0: it going to affect the underpin? There's underpinning
3: block ar- around the perimeter of the house. I w- if I do an addition, um, will it affect the addition uh, going? You know, removing the underpinning and tying into the existing
0: house. Well, it depends on how the floor was framed and what if if you're removing the perimeter stem wall to do yes. an addition. Then you're going to have to have a girder carrying those floor truss, uh, floor rafters, uh, heavy enough to cover that span. So, any stem wall you're removing that m- removes the continuous support of the exterior girder, um, back it up. You may have and it. shim it
3: up to that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you may have to sister that up with like a 4x8 or 4x12 and bolt it in place and, you know, attack it like that. Okay, man? Yeah, this is my first experience
3: with uh, a house being moved like this, so I really appreciate your time, Rosie. Kevin. I'm glad you guys, you guys are
0: very entertaining ap- operating as a family unit, so thank you very much, man. I hope you have a great weekend. Alright, Kevin, and as you're tackling that project, don't hesitate, you know, shoot me a couple pictures uh, over to uh, rosieonthehouse.com just put in the title, in the subject line Kevin's House in Congress and uh, as you're as you're tackling it, uh, I'll 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 give you some feedback during the week.
1: That would be info info at Rosieonthehouse.com.
0: Okay, there you go. All right, we've gone a little long here. Gary D's waving his arms. Rosie, you got to go on a break now. We've got Paul and David on hold, and we still need to talk about garages. All right, here at Rosie on the House.
2: A little bit of garage music.
0: There you go, baby. I can check the tire pressure to this tune. Change the oil. (laughs) Twist on the new oil filter. Oh, yeah, baby. That's a topic of today's garages, and we haven't even got to it yet. (laughs) But we will. But we will. We've got Paul calling and David. Let's see if we can bring Paul in. Welcome him to the show and see what he's got on his mind today for Rosie on the house. Good morning, Paul. Hi, Rosie.
2: Good morning. Uh, I have a way to lower the cost
0: of housing. In Like in is? like in general uh, for everybody? The, yeah. the well, cost yeah, of for building well, for owning yeah, a home yeah. or building a home or what?
2: Well, for long term. Okay. Uh, in other words, um, if you put solar panels on, okay. most utility companies now – will um, pay you something for your surplus energy.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, there's
2: actually, uh, and so you can get um, and money. So um, in the state of Maine is right now passing a law requiring utilities to pay solar homeowners $0.03 cents a kilowatt hour.
0: Okay. So your tip for dropping the long term cost of home ownership is get the solar panels up and market the excess power back to the utility company.
2: Right. And okay. Make an income. And there's a new type of solar panel now. This one solar panel will generate enough energy to power a whole house. And you can see it online. I just bought one. Awesome. Go to um get
0: we're losing we're losing the connection paul i don't know what happened but but the the innovations in the solar industry are tremendous and they're going to continue cascading new things onto the market and it it's only ever going to get better a lot of people don't buy solar because that reason they say well whatever i buy today is going to be outdated tomorrow well but if you don't buy it now you're not going to start saving and appreciating it now so yes it's going to continue getting better and better and better but is that the reason you don't buy a stereo system or a tv because it's going to get better or a computer huh?
1: if paul wants to send you information he can send Absolutely. it to info at rosie on the and we can take a look at it i think he probably wanted to tell you what that was and also you know you guys can get rid of get hold of us lots of ways email um phone call get rid of us get rid of us don't get rid of us <laughs> uh, but on And by text, this morning, I've started getting text about how people are actually happy with the new supercooling, with the new rates. They're actually having success with the supercooling. So... Uh, we'd love for you to send your results, your bill page, to info at com and put supercooling in the subject line so we can kind of track and be able to, you know, we promise, you know, a reaction one way or the other so we can do that if you'll help us send us information.
0: We would love to see your utility bills. It's important to us in collecting the data. We need to see this month's bill and then we need to see last year's bill for the same time. It lets us do a comparison of Not only total consumption, but consumption per kilowatt, cost per kilowatt. And early on when APS announced the new rates, there was great fear on my part and anxiety about what that was going to do to everybody's bill. Uh, And APS will tell you that it was partially their fault because the computer they had embedded in their website wasn't accurately doing the translation. The computer was telling me that the least increase I was going to have was 46%. That was the lowest increase I could expect. But we're we're finding out that supercooling isn't dead. And if you can limit your demand, you've got to limit your demand, you're going to do okay. So... If if you've got a a hard time understanding it, all you have to do is get an energy management computer mounted to your house and let it limit your demand for you. Um, So if if you don't want to impact your lifestyle, uh, there's a good way to do it. We thought that $0.10 a kilowatt power was dead forever. But early indications are people that really watch how they consume We can get back down under that $0.10 a kilowatt. And that's hard to beat. That's really hard to beat. But you have to do it by supercooling, and you have to do it by limiting your demand. And you do that with an energy management computer, or you just have to walk around the house managing it yourself. (laughs) All right, we'll get back. We've got David and Dawn on hold, and we still got to get to garages.
4: Um. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about, um, I used to live in Colorado, up in uh, Grand Junction. Nice. You know, it's pretty
0: much open sky out there, we got a lot of orchards, but, you know, I love for. Grand Junction. Sure.
2: So, uh, you know, trellises were, man, they were a useful party. Uh, you know, your work site, you could have a backyard shed that was made as a trellis, something like that, You'd portable things. I'm just thinking, you know, the economy could always stand a goose, and isn't that something that uh maybe some local carpenters could also all of a sudden start a shop, you know, and start slamming out trellises.
0: Well, there here we like our trellises in metal uh because the sun here is so brutal uh to anything wood. But uh trellises are are a great feature that um work well I'd cover them in vines and do whatever you want to do with them uh we we do a lot of trellises on the west face of a home just to you know grape vines bloom in the summer shade the house in the in the summer and lose their leaves and the sun comes through in the winter so yeah trellises are a great feature david
1: our metal trellises are so pretty that even though they don't have plants on them they're still nice looking we never have been able to get anything to grow on that face they look nice. But we left the
0: trellises We there. did,
1: because they look good. <laughs> hey, do you know what the topic is today?
0: Garages.
1: Oh, you haven't forgotten. Well, there's. I'm a, getting there right now. <laughs> I have a text. Uh, a man has a, a layout in his home where the master bedroom is over the garage. The garage is very hot, and so it makes the bedroom very hot. So he wants to know, um, is insulating his metal garage door, would that help? No. No? No. What would help?
0: Uh, re-insulating the floor between the the garage and his bedroom. Uh, Insulated doors are a great idea, but they aren't going to cool the garage to the point where he's going to notice anything better. Uh, There's actually a technique where you cut a hole in the sheetrock of the ceiling of the garage and you fill the floor cavity of the master bedroom with insulation uh, our company Thermal Advantage does that. Banker Insulation does that. Uh, it's a very popular floor plan, and it's extremely common that that one room over the garage never does get cool. Uh, I would tell him that's a text question. Yes, it is. So you can can you answer? I them? can. Okay, I would I would tell him to start with a whole house energy audit. Spend ninety nine dollars with rias or Green ID and get a whole house energy audit, they'll thermal image the ceiling of the garage, verify what level of insulation is there, and address it there. The insulating the garage door may take a little heat out of the garage, but it won't impact the comfort level of the master bedroom at all. Now, while we're in the garage... To go to today's blog. And Dawn, I see you're calling from Tucson. I'm gonna get right to you here, Darling, just in a minute. But I gotta I gotta talk I gotta say something about the subject of the day sometime in this hour. Uh, what what I want to talk to y'all about is the garage doors have come a long way. We used to in all in building the custom homes and doing the remodels, a lot of people would want to make their doors unique. So we would take a standard insulated steel door and then we would uh, apply something to the face of it and that was the only way we could make unique garage doors 30 years ago and 20 years ago well anymore the garage door manufacturers have become entirely creative and there wasn't anything we were doing back then to make the custom doors that they aren't making today in a conventional door and the problem what we were doing we would take mahogany or a teak and we would apply it to the face of a steel garage door that was insulated. Well, we were taking the weight of the garage door from about 300 pounds to about 1,000 pounds. So you're constantly blowing out springs. You're constantly wearing out your overhead garage door operator. And uh, now you can accomplish that look. For many of you, the garage door is the biggest architectural feature you see from the front of your house.
1: and <laughs> Becky in, in the office mentioned that a lot of people use that garage door as a front door. And yeah. that's, that's really true. That's the one you come in and out of. You got your stuff. You pull the, even if you don't pull your car in, you're going to go in through the garage. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. And um, so it's it's worth getting the factory insulated steel doors. I know you can buy the foam insulation kits for a couple hundred bucks and install it yourself. But it doesn't, acomp- it doesn't get near the results as buying a factory-sealed, double-skinned, foam-filled, aluminum garage door. Uh, That's the best way to go. They've got them to where they really seal up nice. They can keep a lot of dirt and a lot of heat and a lot of drafts out. Make sure you're sealed up tight at the doorstop jam sides as well as all the way across the bottom. When we put a garage door in, We generally trim the bottom panel to fit the garage floor perfectly. So sometimes, as a matter of fact, we had a call last week here on the show where somebody's garage door didn't seal up. They actually do make a threshold rubber bulb that you can glue down to the concrete and you can drive over it, and it then creates a seal if you can't do that by trimming the door itself. I would ask you all, to make sure that the safety reverse features working on your garage door. Uh, Put a two by four or a basketball or a volleyball right underneath the door where it closes. Go ahead and close it. The door should hit that obstruction and reverse immediately. If it doesn't then you either ought to get a new operator that has that safety feature. It's been a code requirement now for well over two decades. or if your backup feature isn't working, get it serviced and get it replaced, okay? It'll save you damage to your car, and it can save you personal injury. So there's just a couple tips on garages. Uh, Keeping one cool is a question we get all the time, and one great easy way is pick up one of these Patio Pal Evaporative Coolers, throw it in there, or the Shop Blaster, throw it in there and Put a little evap cooling action going on in the garage, lower the temperature 20 to 30 degrees, and you just have to create a way that you can let the air out. I don't recommend lifting the garage door and leaving it open four to six inches. Uh, You have that cool air blowing out underneath that, it's a perfect attractant for critters to come in. Oh, Where's that cool breeze coming from? Oh, right here. I'll just come right in here. So we recommend either cutting vents into your garage door to allow the air out or up ducts into the ceiling where the air can go up in the attic or up high clear story vents on the sidewall to allow the air go out. Just a few great ways to cool the house. If your garage is fully insulated and it's built to take it, we're putting a lot of air conditioners on the homes we're remodeling right now, mini-splits. And if the garage is insulated as well as the house, you can actually air condition your garage cheaper than you can cool it with an EVAP cooler. So just keep that in mind. The mini-splits have no duct work. When we buy a central heating and air conditioning system, we buy them on what's called SEER ratings, seasonal energy efficiency ratings. How How efficient are they? Those central systems, you're generally dealing in a seer of 14, 15, 16. You can pay big money and go above that, 18, 20, 24. Well, a mini-split with no ductwork operates in the mid-30s. It's about twice as efficient as your central system. That's one of the reasons it costs so little to air-condition space with it. Now, it doesn't filter the air like your central air-conditioning system so if you're using it inside, you have to do auxiliary auxiliary filtering to maintain the indoor air quality. But they work perfect in a garage. All right. With well, that said, Dawn's been waiting very patiently, calling from Tucson. Let's see if we can get to Dawn and help her with her home improvement project here at Rosie on the House. Good morning, Dawn. Thanks for being so patient.
4: Hey, oh, you no know, problem. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. First, I want to thank you for all you do. We uh, ended up using Woods Plumbing recently and absolutely love them.
0: Yeah, good folks, aren't they?
4: Yeah. A Rosie Certified Um, plumber
0: down in Pima County.
4: Uh, Absolutely. Um, Yeah, we're one of those lucky people whose contractor left with their money, and so now we're very slowly remodeling our house. Oh, no. Um, Oh, yeah. We filed the ROC, and we're waiting on our recovery fund and all that good stuff. It's just well, that, started in October, so it's a lot longer than we expected.
0: Yeah, when you've got a, to, when you got a contractor cut out on you, we, we do have the recourse of the registered contractors and the recovery fund, which is very unique in Arizona. Not all states have that. So you're not you're not total your money out. So that's gonna be good for y'all, but it does take a little while to process.
4: Yes, it does. Um so we're getting to the point where we're almost ready to start ordering our kitchen cabinets. Hot dog. When you were talking to the previous guy, I was like, Okay. Um so we went up to Phoenix and drove around and hit a whole bunch of stores. I'm really curious about your opinion on the, either the ready-to-assemble or those ones that are on those big national cable shows. I won't say their names because <laughs> their expense is so much less than, you know, a, a custom cabinet kind of thing.
0: They are, Dawn. Um, before I bought – those are called knockdowns, okay? Okay. Uh, KDs, and they come – delivered to you flat in a box and they're twist lock cams. You assemble them and use a screwdriver, lock the cams in place. Um, now, you, Don, you're talking to a cabinet maker. Okay. So I, I have a, <laughs> I have a built in DNA prejudice against them. Uh, but saying that I know a lot of people that have gone that way. I know, a few people that have gone that way years ago they don't seem to hold up as well as a solid box put together with rabbited joints stapled with glue okay Uh, but you can get a good 10 or 15 years use out of them
4: well and that's kind of what i was thinking was you know so even if i hate them (laughs) <laughs> At that price, my goodness. <laughs> okay, all right.
0: Well, there you go. I
4: mean, because there was it's it's another cabinet company, not the RTA, but it's it's one that's so much less expensive. I'm just curious why they claim to be rabbited and dovetailed and and plywood boxes and the whole nine yards. And I'm like, how is that even possible? And that's in the uh, knockdown cabinet. No, it. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna say it. Cabinets to go.
0: Okay. I I don't, like, I'm not familiar with cabinets to go.
4: Okay. Cuz they're on HGTV and all that kind of stuff, so. Okay. Just wondering why they're so much less expensive.
0: And you can go online, submit your dimensions and then they mail you the cabinets. It's a it's a online ordering system?
4: Well, no no, we well you, you can do it that way too, but we went to there's a store in Phoenix and we went in with our dimensions and we did a whole 3D rendering for us and I mean, originally we were looking at like twenty-four thousand dollars of the cabinets, and he's going to get them for like eight. Well, you have a big kitchen. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah, we're doing. We did the whole, you know, take out all the interior walls, do the the great open concept. Yes. You know, all, all that good stuff. So yeah, we're going to put in a ten-foot island. But <laughs> I, I
0: I am not familiar with that particular cabinet manufacturer.
4: All right. Well, no okay. problem. All anyway, right, I love Don- your show. I oh, appreciate
0: so much what you do. All right, thanks I mean We appreciate the call. That was nice. All right, I want to go back. Here as we're kind of wrapping the show up here, I want to go back to the tinder fire. Uh, those of you that know someone, maybe maybe you lost a home in the fire. Maybe you know someone that lost a home in the fire. We're putting together a team of Rosie on the House contractors that are going to go up there and see what we can do to help you all out. It's a fairly remote part of the state. The contractors that are up there are going to be overrun really quick. There's going to be a lot of -of out-of-state contractors moving in the area, and we want to be up there and just kind of help protect you. So if we're going to be up there Friday. If y'all want to visit, just give us a ring at the office and you can just call the radio number one 767 4348 and that'll ring our office during the week. And uh, if enough of y'all want to meet, we'll put together a meeting room and all meet at one time. I just want to make sure y'all don't make a mistake in the heartbreaking anxiety you're currently experiencing, okay? We'll be back at Rosie on the House right after this. Final segment of our four-hour broadcast here at Rosie on the House. We appreciate y'all tuning in. Jennifer wants to reward some of you for listening. What have you got for everybody?
1: Well, we started the day at 7 a.m. talking to our one of our favorite Arizona authors, Roger Naylor. If you missed the segment, go back and listen to the podcast. He's just a fun guy to have around. And uh, we were talking a lot about the Arizona State Parks, and I happen to have passes to the state parks that are good through the end of the year uh, either per vehicle or I think it's one adult and one child but I have sets of two and I have 10 sets that we can hand out to the first 10 people who email us at info at rosie on the house.com. so that's and info at rosie on the house.com. first 10 to email put state me
0: state parks in the that'd be subject great. line
1: that'd be great that'll help me a lot
0: Okay, first 10 going starting now. Email us at info at Rosie on the House. State Park's in the subject line. And you have 10 passes. Yeah. 10 pairs of passes?
1: Yes, 10 pairs. And then 10, you, pairs yeah.
0: of pair, 10 pairs of passes? 10 pairs of passes. To the state parks?
1: That's right. If you listen to that 7 o'clock hour, you get all kinds of good ideas on which ones you'd like to visit.
0: Yeah, Roger was talking about, he's working on a book right now that covers all... Thirty, I think we have thirty-two state parks right now, and more we've to got, come. We've got two more that are opening. A, one in November, I think, up there near Camp Verde, um, Rim Rock, uh, I think they call uh, it Rockin'
4: Rock, Rockin', rockin Ridge. Ride
0: or something. Rockin' like River, Rockin' River. Okay, uh, and then one over on the Colorado River. So there you go. All right. So the first ten, there you go. Probably if you haven't started typing now, you're too late. We were talking about cooling a garage door, cooling garages, and I was talking about putting evap coolers in garages, we've got two texts that came in and says, Rosie, I have evap cooled in my garage, and it seemed to start things rusting. Okay, well, totally closed up, and running an evap cooler adds a lot of humidity inside the garage, and during the monsoon season, you could be taking that humidity north of 40 45%. Okay, I could see where that could get some rust. We... We ran an evap cooler in the garage at our house for 15 years, and the only thing that ever rusted out was the actual register itself. We had to replace a couple That's times. That's a
1: ceiling-mounted, not a personal right little ones like they have now for the patio. This is a, a big mama.
0: And <laughs> then another uh, caller called in and says, Rosie, you can't put an evap cooler in the garage and put an up duck in the ceiling because you violate the one-hour fire code. Well, I, I wasn't very clear there. They do make one hour rated upducts with thermal couplers that should a fire start, they spring load and close. We have those on our house. They are available. If you're going to cool your garage and you're going to exhale all the extra air into the attic, you must have one hour rated upducts because what we do when we build a house, is we make the garage a one-hour fire insulation from the house itself. The the wall between the house and the garage is a one-hour wall. That's the probably one of the more likely places a fire will start. So the city building department say, okay, if that's where the fire is going to start, we want the family to have a one hour to clear out. And so we have the one-hour barrier around the entire garage. And you don't want to violate that. That's the one reason the door in between the garage and your house, it's a one-hour fire-rated door. It's an inch and three-quarter, inch and three-eighths solid core. And if you open it and pass your hand across the top of the door, you'll feel a little metal plate embedded right there. And that's the one-hour certification that has to be on it. That's one of the things that inspectors do when they're final inspecting your house is they reach up there and reach for that little medallion plate to verify it is a fire rated door speaking of fires i want y'all to know we're going to be up in happy jack this next coming friday if you'd like to meet call my office one 767 4348 we feel like you have four options to pursue I, I know some of you probably won't ever rebuild and that's that's one of the options one of the other options is your foundation may still be very adequate to support a home that matches the exact footprint of what you had but an engineer has to take a look at that before you just build on top of it okay the third option would be let's get the footings and foundations out of there and start from scratch and build something brand new that old four plan had a couple problems with it anyway the fourth plan is the quick build low maintenance masonry floor plan that we'll be bringing up and showing people on friday so tough situation we're going to do what we can to try and help don't make any snap decisions up there okay there's a lot of -of out-of-town contractors coming in don't don't do it proceed with caution okay hey y'all have a great week